The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Um, for those of you I haven't met, my name is Fusho. Uh, nice to see everyone in the Zendo. Nice to see everybody online here. Uh, starting to feel like fall almost. We're getting a, some glimpses out here in New York cooler air in the mornings, and um, I noticed maybe the trees are very green, but like one little red leaf appearing, one little hint. So I'm, I don't know. I'm excited about that. I'm ready. Um, it's been a good summer for me. Big, big summer, actually. Uh I was celebrating a very big birthday and I'm out on the other end of breast cancer treatment, um, feeling good, all clear. But, you know, it's been a big <clears throat> couple years, big challenge for the last couple years. And obviously we're all coming out of the pandemic. And so we decided to take a birthday trip to Greece. Um, and I'd never been and I thought, I just want to acknowledge that I made it, <laughs> that I'm here, that I'm feeling good. I want to celebrate. I want to do it with friends and family. Um, you know, just just acknowledge this uh, milestone, so to speak. And it's a milestone that probably a couple of years ago I might have had more of a total nervous breakdown because, you know, there's certain ages that as women can be hard to turn. <laughs> But this time I wasn't feeling like that. I was feeling like, oh, I want to, I want to celebrate this. Um, and so we we invited people, and uh, we went to Athens. And the plan was we would we would meet up there. And I had there were ten of us, so it was a not a huge group, but not small. <clears throat> and um, we started in Athens. Everybody came in slowly at different times. We converged, and then we went to one of the islands um, south of Athens uh, and stayed in a house there to celebrate. And so <clears throat> I, everyone sort of was excited about it, but also started asking me pretty early on, are you worried about the group dynamics? You know, are you, how are you think this is really gonna go okay? Because, I mean, obviously there's like the wonderful idea of what a celebratory trip will be. And then there's the reality of it. And of course, group dynamics are um, really what we have to work with. When we're not sitting on the cushion out in the world, that's what we're working with is, uh, is the group dynamics. And I know as soon as our idea of what something should be doesn't match up with our experience, um, that's where the trouble can start. But um, I decided, you know, let's just see what happens. Let's not put too much around it. Um, it's going to be, we're we'll being paradise. Uh, what could be wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> um, but of course, even in paradise, we all still have our stuff. <laughs> that doesn't go away. Um, 
You know, I definitely feel like a different person now. I mean, we're always different people, but coming out on this other side of the treatment, um, I feel very different. And I was at least aware enough to know that the old me would have been somebody who really felt responsible for everybody having a good time to make sure that they were having a good time. And if they weren't having a good time to just feel like that was, that was my fault and to put it onto me. So I tried to make a little space around that um, and tried to say, you know, it's up to them at a certain point we're going to be there. It's up to them to decide whether or not they're going to have a good time. And one of the things um, you probably see in photos of Greece, uh, it's just very beautiful. There's lots of whitewashed walls and lots of bougainvillea, um, which is this, you know, kind of, it kind of grows like a weed. It's this, this vine. It's very sturdy and very thorny, but it's everywhere there. And it came from, um, you know, South America, but the, but the blossoms are this sort of bright pink fuchsia, almost like paper thin. They look very delicate, beautiful, bright colors, just bursting against the, the whitewashed walls everywhere. And then you have the blue sea and the blue, blue sky. So it's very stunning. Really, really beautiful. But you know, we, we, um, <clears throat> we arrived at the house and there's, and then we were plan making plans to go everywhere. And so, you know, with people who have food aversions and allergies and we had to be careful. One person got sick from the water, um, because salt water there and, um, you know, everybody was sort of had their own stuff that they had to, to juggle. And it all came to a head one day. We had a boat trip that was like going around the islands that one of my friends had offered um, to plan and to organize. And so it was this beautiful trip, but two of our friends didn't make it in time. So we had to push everything back. So then we had to try to coordinate. They were coming from a different island. So we were on this beautiful route. And then the person who had offered this trip to me was very close to having a meltdown because we had to go off the route to see if we could hopefully pick up the two friends that didn't make it in time. And so we didn't know how to coordinate that. So the captain of the ship, this wonderful Greek woman, um, finally just, we were trying to talk on the phone. We were trying to figure out how to get them. Finally just grabbed the phone and told, told them to get a taxi, get in the taxi. And then she asked to talk to the taxi driver. The taxi driver and her coordinated this point where they could go over, go along the dock, pick up the people, jump in, and then like keep going on our way. Um, you know, so it did, <laughs> it all went fine for me. It was a little bit a little bit bumpy. Um, and so what are you going to do? You're there in paradise. Everyone's having this anxiety. But, it, you know, there's plenty to enjoy. And then you kind of wonder, what, what, is, my, um, what is my opportunity here? How is this going to go? Am I able enough to be present enough to take a breath and still enjoy? Or am I going to just like get lost and caught in this whole idea of what I thought it was supposed to be that it didn't turn into? And so, of course, um, there is a koan that can be helpful <laughs> in our practice. There's always a koan. And this one's pretty well known. Um, you'll find it uh, in the Mumankan and also in the Book of Equanimity. 
And it's, it's number 47 in the Book of Equanimity. And a monk asked Joshu, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? And Joshu answered, the cypress tree in the garden. <clears throat> so what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West that comes up quite a bit in many of our koans is another way of saying, um, what is the meaning of our practice? What is the meaning of Zen? Uh, it's constantly a question that we we want to ask ourselves, what, what is the meaning of my practice in my life? And why am I doing this? And the koan is short. Um, but Master Dogen uh, devoted a whole chapter of the Shobo Genzo to it and encouraged us to play, pay very close attention to it. There's a longer version um, and a monk of the koan, the monk asks, what does it mean? Our founder came from the West. And Joshi says, the oak tree in the front yard. And the monk says, please don't show people the object. And Joshi says, I will not. And he repeats the question, what does it mean? Our founder came from the West. And he says, the oak tree in the front yard. So, some of the comments and, and, and pointers are saying, if you see that there's no objectivity or subjectivity, then you'll see that the cypress tree in the garden is rooted in complete freedom. It's not just a physical thing that he's pointing to and talking about, but it is the thing that's appearing right in front of us in every moment during our day and every experience that we're having. If you want to honor your live experience, he's saying, don't cling to this idea of the tree. Another version, it goes on to say, a monk asked Joshu, does the cypress tree have a Buddha nature or not? And Joshu said, yes, it has. And the monk said, when does the cypress tree attain Buddhahood? And Joshu said, wait until the great universe collapses. The monk said, when does the great universe collapse? And Joshu said, wait until the cypress tree attains Buddhahood. I mean, granted, we were in paradise, but there were quite a few people feeling like the universe was collapsing. And that can happen anytime, all, all the time, in certain circumstances when we, things don't go the way we think they're supposed to go. And Gary Shishinwick points out in his commentary about this koan, we spend our energy trying to keep the universe from collapsing. What is the universe that we're propping up? It's not the true universe. It's not the true cypress tree. It's the universe that we invent in our thoughts. When that universe collapses, freedom is manifest and the cypress tree attains Buddhahood. There are all kinds of universes, and there are all kinds that have to collapse. Someone asked, what is myself? And Joshu said, the oak tree in the front yard, look at it. What is it that we're afraid of collapsing? Why are we so afraid of that? And can we just let something collapse? 
This koan is saying that that is where we will find our freedom. And what is myself? The oak tree in the front yard. Dogen calls it the self. And we know we've heard to study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self <clears throat> is to be actualized by myriad things. And when actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. And so we jumped into the agency in the blue lagoon, and we floated in the salty water, and the 10,000 things came floating up and entered into my universe briefly. So what is this self that collapses? Some people call it the soul. I think in literature and art, it might be more called the soul. Um, <clears throat> I was reading Virginia Woolf, and she says, one can't write directly about the soul. Looked at, it vanishes. And she says, observing that the souls we most wish to resemble are always the supplest, for a self that goes on changing is a self that goes on living. She says, observing that the souls we most wish to resemble are always the supplest, for a self that goes on changing is a self that goes on living. And she offers advice um, around what it takes to be fully oneself. She says, let us simmer over our incalculable cauldron, our enthralling confusion, our hodgepodge of impulses, our perpetual miracle. For the soul throws up wonders every second. Movement and change are the essence of our being. Rigidity is death. Conformity is death. Let us say what comes into our heads, repeat ourselves, contradict ourselves fling out the wildest nonsense and follow the most fantastic fancies without caring what the world does or thinks or says. It's good advice. Joshu said, if you are asked, what does Joshu teach? Just say, when cold, cold. When cold, cold. When hot, hot. A monk asked Joshu, when I wish to become a Buddha, what then? Joshu said, you set yourself quite a task, haven't you? And the monk said, when there is no effort, what then? Joshu said, then you are a Buddha already. So does a cypress tree also have Buddha nature? Yes, she has. When does such a tree realize Buddhahood? She waits for the empty sky to come down to earth. And when does the empty sky come down to earth? It waits for a cypress tree to realize Buddhahood. So I guess I could say, what is the meaning of my Zen practice? Bougainvillea on the side of the house floating on my back in the blue lagoon of the agency. Sunlight sparkles on the glistening waves. Gone in a flash, 
then dancing somewhere else. Oh, that's my life. I become the salt water. The salt water is me. How do you study yourself? The bogan villa on the side of the house.